Do you know who my dad is? A limited series podcast from Betches Media. Hosted by Brian Russell Smith and Alicia Angelus. Do you know who my dad is? A podcast about failing up. Hello and welcome to Do You Know Who My Dad Is? I'm Brian Russell Smith. And I'm Alicia Angelus. And Do You Know Who My Dad Is? is a limited series podcast by the Betches Sup, None of the True Crime, and at Betches. It explores dynastic nepotism and the effects it has on media, culture, and our current political system. That's right. This podcast exposes the privilege that leads to inexperienced and unaccomplished children of powerful people, usually white men, getting ahead despite lack of experience, intelligence, and mediocrity. And nepotism leads to privilege, which leads to a false sense of entitlement, which leads to unqualified people getting the most powerful positions in multiple facets of our society. Let's get to nasty. <laughs> Hi, Yay. Hey, Brian. Happy Friday. Happy Friday. Ooh, we're recording this right before a three-day weekend. I'm very excited to have a, a four-day work week next week. Um, yeah, and I'm getting my pup this weekend. I'm in a good mood. Things are going to be yes. fine. Yes, and it's also surprisingly nice out warm for the time of year. Um, so today I'm going to be talking about the Koch family. Um, but first, Alicia is going to go ahead and talk about another family. Yeah, I'm going to be talking about the Waltons and... Before I even get started, I honestly never really grew up with Walmart. Like, did you? You know, there was, there actually was a Walmart in the town over, but we were more frequenters of Kmart. Yeah, no, I was too. So like, I never really got exposed to Walmart up until I was like going to sleep boy camp as a teenager. And it was like the first place I could ever buy beer at when I was like 18 because they didn't card you. It was like, (laughs) (laughs) like, that was like my first experience with Walmart and I never really knew about it as a kid. And I think that's because like we both grew up like kind of closer to cities and Walmart was legitimately founded by like the most, like the richest family in the world still today. And today I'm basically going to talk about Samuel Walton and his family who are essentially the billionaires behind Walmart. Um, So as of 2018, they own just under 50% of Walmart. Um, and when you go to look it up, it's like so wild, like their net worth at one point, I mean, even still is like nearly equal to the combined wealth of like Bill Gates and Warren Buffett. Wow. Um, and they have more wealth than like 43% of American families combined, which like, is just kind of sad to me. (laughs) Yeah. There's like, Um, there's all those, like the, I actually just today was seeing this one study or something of how in like the 1960s uh the ceos would make like one like the ratio was like one to 20 yeah the wealth and now it's like one to 372 yeah and like at first i was like okay i wonder how like 2020 has treated them how like past recessions have treated them and like no like they are now richer than ever like I read that they just added like 25 billion in the past year to like their combined fortune. That's now over like 200 billion. So what really blows my mind is that like, even during a global pandemic, like they're totally fine. Cause like, of course I'm sure people are still shopping at Walmart all the time. Um, And Samuel Walton um, basically still has three living kids who have been in force 400 every year since 2001. 
which is just fucking wild. Mm -hmm. Um, But I'm just going to basically talk about how he got to where he is um, and his family and kind of all the fucking fucked up shit that they got get away with because it's frightening. (laughs) Um, And then of course where they are today. So starting with Sam Walton, um, I'm going to start in like 1950. He basically got a lease on a random store in Bentonville, Arkansas. He called it like Walton's five and 10. Um, They were what people like to say called like Brent Franklin stores, just like a little smaller, but he started out with that. Um, In 1952, he opened a few more. Uh, By 1954, he brought his brother into it. Um, his brother, Bud, who of course is a billionaire. And by 1960, he had opened several other stores, was hitting a decent amount of revenue. Um, but this was like just a sneak peek is like what's to come. So Mm -hmm. the first Walmart opened in 1962 in Rogers, Arkansas and Walmart was targeted towards like more of the smaller towns where like there weren't that many people. They didn't have as many opportunities to work. So like there was not much going on in those places, which like I kind of realized after I was like, okay, yeah, Walmart's in like bumblefuck places. But I think that also is the reason that like such so much fucked up shit happens is because like not as many people see it. Um, Mm. But I'll get into it. So a lot of the bigger towns had Kmart, like I said, but like by 1967, like the company had like 24 stores. They started branching out of Arkansas in 1968. Um, in the 70s is when they went public. So now there's stores in like Arkansas, Missouri, Oklahoma, and it really just started exploding. So like by 1971, there was like 50 plus Walmarts generating millions of dollars in revenue. Um, Samuel was listed on like the New York Stock Exchange by like 1972, was expanding to like Louisiana and Kansas. And like now, I mean, I'm sure it was a few years prior to this, but Kmart's like, I mean, okay, what the fuck? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Because they thought they were like the discount place, but like now it's really Walmart. Like, yes, there is still Kmart today, but like Walmart is a fucking tycoon. Um, So they started like doing their first acquisitions in 1977, 1978. Um, by 1979, there were around like 230 stores. They finally hit like a billion dollars in revenue. Um, Samuel Walton was like basically almost at the point where he was like, I'm okay to retire now. I think I'm good. (laughs) Well, especially in the, that time of like the 1970s, like late 1970s, early 1980s, a billion dollars is a lot more money than that today. And a billion dollars is still a lot of fucking money. Yeah, like this. And so he basically was like, I made it. Like, so I yeah. almost sympathize with that. I'm like, you know, what? Good, yeah, good for you. <laughs> but he actually only ended up taking like a two year break. Um, and they still hit a massive boom again in the 80s. And on a little bit of a sad note, Samuel actually was unfortunately diagnosed with leukemia in 1983. He mm. was 65 at this point, but like he had so much money that like, he was on these like bougie clinical trials and was like, fine. A couple of years later, I'm sure fine is like not the best word to describe it, but like he was able to kind of like survive. Um, And by 1987, they opened their thousand store. Like this also led to the fucking like superstores. And they were already by 1988, like the most profitable retailer in the U S 
Um, but then in the early 90s, Walmart, of course, continued to expand. Uh, but this is where the nepotism really kicks off because <laughs> Samuel died of bone marrow cancer in 1992. And of course, who was he going to give the store and everything like that to? It was his wife and sons. So mm-hmm. Samuel's oldest son, Rob, um, took over in the 90s as the retailer, like, is hiking, hiking, hiking. Um, like, was he qualified? I don't really know. He just kind of, like, took what dad's billions were giving him. Um, and then, like, by 2000, so, like, we're well and alive by this point, they reached, like, $158 billion in revenue. By 2005, that increased to, like, over 215 And they continue to grow, but like, it just makes you question like how they got to where they are today. Like, did they get there through legit reasons? Did they not? Um, And Sam also had another son, John, who unfortunately passed, but then he also had Jim, his youngest son, who replaced John on the board of directors in 2005. So he had Mm -hmm. three sons and a daughter. Um, And like, it was interesting because Sam like, Sam's other son, Jim, like worked on other family businesses. So then I'm like, okay, maybe like they weren't as ne- like, as like the most like nepotism, like the most nepotism as they ever was. But I'm like, okay, he did end up going into the store anyway. But then my, of course, question was, what about the women? Yeah. Um, Where are, and, it seems like that's a recurring theme. Oh yeah. With a lot of these and stories. Was, <laughs> like, that's what is so depressing, but here we are. Yeah. Um, so like as nepotism tends to go, I'm wondering where the women are. I look up um, Sam's wife, Helen Walton, and she actually was like a prominent art advocate. And Sam, of course, made sure to like leave her some of his billions when he passed. <laughs> um, but she was like also a philanthropist. That's another common theme that I feel like we mm-hmm. see in every fucking family. Um she like headed up the Walton Family Foundation, established like children's en- enrichment centers in Bentonville, um, AKA Walmart, like HQ. And they also had one daughter, Alice Walton. Um, mm-hmm. Alice Walton is like kind of a little icon. She's still a billionaire on Forbes 400 all the time. Um, but she was kind of the black sheep of the family because she was the one who wasn't necessarily like in the depths, like with all the Walmart shit. She actually was like more involved with the art, similar to her mother. Um, and let me tell you, the scandals that she got away with are hilarious. <laughs> this show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors, big and small. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Think of yourself like a bottle of sparkling water. Get too shaken up and you're eventually going to burst. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. I love therapy. I've been to therapy for many years and I love that when I have a big problem, I don't have to wait and let it fester and let it get bigger. I can start bringing it up in therapy and talk through it before it becomes an even bigger problem. Figuring out how to find coping skills when I've encountered anything that triggers me or stresses me is one of the main things that I've really learned from therapy and has helped me so much in my life. It's helped me to be a better version of myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. 
Visit BetterHelp.com slash Betches today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Betches. So going into Alice, um, Alice was like Sam's only daughter. She legitimately had like between like four and five DUIs. <laughs> and of course, never really like had to go to jail for longer than like a few hours. And like, you know, totally fine, still a billionaire. Everything's fine. So just a small sneak peek at her like millions of incidents, it seems like. Um, in 1983, she lost control of her, de- of a, her Jeep, shattered her leg, had to be airlifted out, was fine. <laughs> Wow. Like you would think this was the first one. Um, okay. In, in 1989, she crashed into a pedestrian who had just, quote, stepped out into the road. Oh, and- my gosh. I, I, read, I read ahead. I was looking at your outline. That's why I just gasped before. Yeah. <laughs> like- I didn't want to say until you got to it. I was like, <gasps> and like she didn't have to go through any charges for it and then like it gets better like you think like okay maybe she's gonna like sober up a little bit and like get in control of her life and in 1988 she had another DUI where she broke her nose oh my goodness (laughs) in Arkansas in 2011 she even was caught drunk driving home from her own fucking event (laughs) oh my goodness um and she spent nine hours in jail, but of course was left unpunished. And like in 2013, she had like yet another similar case where her case just ended up being dropped. Like why, if you have that much money, why do you drive anywhere? I yeah. would never drive again <laughs> if I was worth billions of dollars. Like I don't need, like I like to drive. I think it's fun, but I'd rather driving? not. Like, <laughs> you know? I always say that I like hate driving. I feel like it's like just the New York part of me, but like I would imagine if I even never made it to a mill, I, I know. Especially, <laughs> especially like that's the other thing. It's like, okay, maybe I would drive like during the day, but if I mm-hmm. like even thought that I maybe would have one drink. Oh yeah. Like, oh, okay, you know what? I'm just gonna guy call up this Uber. You know what I mean? Like, There's no way I would ever drive. For any social event ever. Like, come on. Well, it's also you look cooler when you come in and out of a car anyways. Yeah. Like when you drive yourself, that's not a classy. (laughs) (laughs) And like that was only like a sneak peek at all the scandals. Like Walmart is so much more fucked up that I was like, okay, like what could be even more scandalous? And like it gets so much worse. Like Alice, I think it's just like covering the surface. Uh Um so Walmart is like a major like anti-union company um, mm-hmm. for anyone who knows what a union is. The way I think of it is just like an organization that tries to help people and unify people and make sure that they get like good compensation, good benefits. Yeah. Basically the reason we have a five day work week is because of unions. Yes. Yeah. People were working like 12 <laughs> hours every day and like children under like the age of 12 were still working. So yeah. So I think we can agree unions are a good thing. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> um, but Walmart legitimately is out here being like, oh, like, you know what? Unions are like money suckers. They just position themselves as something that they're not. They don't actually care about people. And I'm like, really, Walmart? Um, mm-hmm. And they apparently have 
such intense protocols to try to stop people from unionizing that like, it's a little scary. So the first one that's like a little more chill is that they have training videos where they educate you on their stance. That's like very anti-unionizing. And that's actually illegal. You're allowed to do that. Um, But then they go like a step further. And there was like this story in the Atlantic where like this like store manager saw like a pro union flyer, like sitting somewhere and went to the headquarters. And basically within 24 hours, there was a SWAT team. Oh my goodness. Essentially like stop people from unionizing. And I'm like, okay, I have so many questions because why do you need a SWAT team? No. And like, why is it such a horrible issue to the point where like not only do they like fly in all these people but they also have like security monitors trying to spy on people like and they legitimately just will do everything in their power to not get you to unionize and like it seems as if they've definitely fired people because of unionizing like closed doors maybe like And that's illegal. Like, you can't fire Mm -hmm. people for unionizing, which is just Mm -hmm. fucking, like, (sighs) God, Walmart. (laughs) Um, But, of course, that's not all. Um, They, of course, have all these, like, labor abuse incidents. And, like, I kind of equate this back to the Waltons because they're so fucking rich and, like, they have this, like, discount store. But they legitimately have a lot of their factories and, like, places that are notoriously, like, known for like poor poor working conditions and like places that kind of need a little bit of help what have you um Mm -hmm. and in 2012 117 people like died in this factory um fire in bangladesh um bangladesh again is like known as like one of like the places where like factory work is like not too hot um Mm -hmm. and there were legitimately like walked exits people jumping out of windows and like it was hell Walmart didn't do anything about it. Like they didn't like help the families afterwards or anything. And this just like, I mean, like the New York times covered this and they literally were like, this just like goes to show like there's some issues (laughs) that need to be Mm -hmm. taken care of. And the following year, another building over there collapsed and killed over 1100 people. Also in Bangladesh. Yeah, this building wasn't only like Walmart, but like it housed like several garment factories that like really yeah. supported all of these places. And like it's really it's really messed up because clearly like Walmart has enough power and influence in these countries, you know, to do work. Right. And maybe even like push the government to have safe regulations for their workers, but they don't. Yeah. And people and they didn't even learn from that one year after it already happened like that's fucking disgraceful yeah and like these were both in bangladesh like this was yeah just so like fucked like you would think they learned (sighs) so what kills me is that these factories put out millions of dollars in sales every year but they have like horrible conditions pay horrible wages and like in the end they just make billionaires richer who just like kind of got here um Mm -hmm. and a few smaller things, even though this one isn't really small, but like I kind of knew about this because I went on like an RV trip. Um, don't ask me why, but like to <laughs> go to a football game in college and like the only place that we could spend the night overnight in an RV was a Walmart. Mm-hmm. Um, I just figured that out because of Ozark. Do you watch Ozark? No. 
But the most recent season of Ozark, they like spend a night in the Walmart and I'm like at the parking lot. I'm like, why are all these people just at the Walmart parking lot? And apparently yeah. I, that's when I, and I just learned that in like March, you can just sleep in parking lots at Walmart. Yes. So this was like back in 2013 where like my group of like 10 girlfriends was like driving down to, I don't even like we we're going to Clemson. And there was like, I want to say like a decent amount of people all sleeping in this Walmart, like mm-hmm. fucking weird. Um, but crime in Walmart parking lots is a major, major issue. Like people write articles about it. Like there's high, there's not only high crime, but like a lot of times like police, even there's like articles about like in Tulsa, Oklahoma, like the police are most active, like in Walmart parking lots. Um, there's been like violent crimes there. Like a woman was abducted from a parking lot there and later murdered. And like the craziest part is that people were able to like find the abduction on camera, but the cameras aren't really monitored that closely because they actually were for the anti-union shit. Mm -hmm. Um, And like, yes, they're shoplifting, but like the amount of crime in the parking lot, like what the fuck? And this has been an issue since the nineties. And there was even like reports on it, like in 2016, like, and people haven't fixed it. Yeah. It's so, fr- it's so frustrating that they are worth over $200 billion and they have all of this terrible things happening that they could just easily just throw a couple hundred million or a million, yeah. couple million at and just solve it. Yeah. And like, then like, that's my thing with these things too. I'm like, I am sure that there have been all these crimes and they throw money at the crime to try to get like in like less trouble for the crimes. Like, mm-hmm. I'm sure they pay people off all the time. And, like, mm-hmm. that money could I mean, have been the daughter been put has had five DUIs. The, the daughter had five DUIs. Yeah. Like, no that money could have been put towards anything else, a.k.a. Yeah. Like stopping the fundamental system. But <laughs> it's not. Okay, two funnier um, moments, too. So a truck driver who once worked for Walmart actually hit a vehicle that Tracy Morgan was traveling in on the New Jersey's Hermpike in 2014. Mm-hmm. I forgot mm-hmm. about this, and then I read about it and was like, oh my god, I do remember that. Yeah. <laughs> so Tracy the Morgan Jer- was in a coma from this. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate to that I'm laughing, but this person who was driving the truck hadn't slept in over 24 hours so like obviously his fatigue was like hitting um and this brought the concern of like not only their conditions but like i don't know like truck drivers in general like it's not cool if like the driver hasn't slept in like 20 something hours and walmart again ended up just like settling this lawsuit and paid off the families like Mm -hmm. i know i've heard tracy morgan talk about this and he like can't say how much they paid him but he's basically like oh, like, my kids will never have to work and my kids' kids will never have to work, basically, is what he says. And you're like, shit. Like, damn. Yeah. And that's just, like, you know, one accident. Mm-hmm. So, last but not least with the scandals, um, my guy Obama went off on my girl Hillary back in 2008 because <laughs> Hillary was on the board of Walmart. And I honestly forgot about that 2008 um, anecdote up until I like, heard a clip on YouTube. Um, mm-hmm. and it makes me think like, what the fuck did Hillary know that we didn't know? Why was she chilling on the board? Cause she needed money to run for president. <laughs> like, was that it? I don't know. Probably. Yeah. Um, Part of it. 
that's so, that's yeah. pretty much what we'll get to in in, in my part too. But yeah, sorry. <laughs> So where is everybody today? My girl Alice is currently worth $54.4 billion. It's five few lives later. Um, she has a museum. She funds artists, you know, and rather than working for Walmart, like her say Rob and Jim, um, Rob is the oldest son again. He's worth over 54.1. Um, this is all according to Forbes billionaires of 2020. Um, interesting that like the oldest son though is in like third place because <laughs> um jim the youngest son is worth 54.9 um and he is like the richest of mm-hmm. the three living ones um rob also has a daughter um carrie walton penner whose husband greg penner was named chairman of walmart in 2015 so like obviously they're rich as fuck um, and then there's also um, the Sam's late son, John's family, who's still in the mix. Um, John was married to Christy Walton, who is still worth like $7.4 billion With And they also had a son, Lucas Walton. Um, Lucas is worth like $15.9 billion. What? Wow. <laughs> um, that's, that's crazy. That's kind of on the Waltons. They are yeah. so, so rich. You think of like a Bezos? No, this is like... We've all been there trying to fit everything we might need for a trip only to end up with a suitcase bursting at the seams. But with base, there's room for everything. 15 pairs of underwear for a weekend trip. No problem. Deciding between a few pairs of shoes, bring them all with base. It is my go-to travel bag. I love that the bag expands because I'm a chronic overpacker and it still fits in the overhead compartment. It just makes it so much easier to travel when I know there's a special place for everything. It makes me feel like a more organized version of myself. And I love that cushioned handle. I always get compliments on it too from anyone who's helping me with my bags. Base is thought of everything you could ever want in a piece of luggage. 360 degree gliding wheels, a cushioned handle, built-in weight indicator, washable bags for your dirty clothes, and all the interior pockets you need. Their luggage comes in multiple sizes and colors, and for shorter trips, the Weekender bag is super functional and even has a place to store your shoes separately. Every piece is made to look better with miles, so you don't have to worry about it in cargo or overhead. And Base has over 30,000 five-star reviews. Whether you're packing for a quick trip or looking to breeze through the security line, Base has your personal items covered. Right now, Base is offering our listeners 15% off your first purchase by visiting basetravel.com slash betches. Go to basetravel.com slash betches for 15% off your first purchase. That's B-E-I-S travel.com slash betches. Listen, we all know that scratchy PJs can make a cranky kid. I want my kids to be comfy when they sleep and are rested in the morning. And that's why I snuggle them up in Little Sleepies. Little Sleepies makes award-winning bamboo PJs that moms rave about. I am said mom. I am obsessed with Little Sleepies. They are so, so, so soft. I just got one that was the Checkmates Zippy for my son, Lucas. It's so adorable and it's limited edition. So everybody go check it out. Little Sleepy's Zip Romper Pajamas, aka Zippies, the ones that I got, were designed with thoughtful details like fold over feet, mittens, and a double zipper to make the middle of the night diaper changes easier. Made from the buttery soft custom milled Luna Luxe Bamboo Viscose, Their Zip Footy Pajamas are gentle on sensitive skin and babies with eczema. But what parents rave about the most? How long they fit. And Little Sleepies makes the best baby shower gift. They have inclusive sizing from preemie to adults 3X. There are also nursing and pregnancy-friendly styles available for adults. So try a pair of Little Sleepies today. 
fair warning, you'll never go back. You can try Little Sleepies for yourself by visiting littlesleepies.com. Plus, get 15% off your order on littlesleepies.com with code BETCHES. That's L-I-T-T-L-E-S-L-E-E-P-I-E-S.com with promo code BETCHES. So I'm about to talk about the third richest family in America, um, the Koch family. The second, for those wondering, the second is the Mars comp- Mars family. They're like the candy bar people. Oh, yeah. Um, so it goes Walmart, candy bars, and now the Koch family, which is probably, you know, it's the, it's the second largest privately owned company in, in the country, but it's like, so not well known. They're very good at like, they're very, they're, they, up until like the past 10 years, you, you know, mm-hmm. um, they, tr- they obviously people in circles and like in politics knew who they were, but they just like really tried to like stamp back and like have a lot of like own a lot of entities by like other names so where to begin with these people um they can be considered they can probably be considered the uh biggest influence con- to conservative politics in america they funded the tea party movement uh climate denial think tanks multiple conservative politicians including our current vice president mike pence oh. um they're basically the people like obama made a joke at like some White House correspondence center, I was saying he's like, "Oh, I'm looking forward to finding out who I'm running against and once the cooks pick pick who they want." Basically, <laughs> um, and what's interesting though is about how they were have worked is that they don't just give money to politicians; they fund institutes and groups that um, to like sort of to steal a term from Kellyanne Conway, create alternative facts. Or because and, you know, they call themselves philanthropic groups, mm. but basically it's just to push a political agenda. Um, but let's talk about where all of this wealth began. So it begins with the patriarch, the father of the. So when you say the Koch brothers, that's what most people refer to them as. Mm. You're thinking of like uh, Charles Koch, who's the second old, was the second old. There was four boys. Charles was the second oldest and then David Koch. He was the, he was like one of the twins that were at the end. We'll get to the brothers, but the beginning starts with Fred Koch, the senior, and he was the patriarch. He was an engineer who graduated from MIT. And at the age of 27, he developed a new and more efficient process for turning crude oil into gasoline. Um, And so according to the guardian, Fred Koch's wealth began in Russia. He received $500,000 from Stalin Joseph Stalin, you know, the dictator. And uh, (laughs) he received this money for his assistance in constructing 15 oil refineries in the Soviet Union in the 1930s. And then a few years later, his company, Winkler Coke, helped the Nazis in Germany complete their third largest oil refinery. Uh, This facility, he was from Arkansas, so there's questions Mm -hmm. about this. This has very similar ties to like early Bush family. Oh, yeah. Um, the facility produced hundreds of thousands of gallons of high octane fuel for the German Air Force until it was destroyed by the Allied bombs in 1944. So there was also this thing called the John Birch Society. He was one of the founding 11 members. And this was like during like the Red Scare McCarthyism stuff. Mm. And basically they supported limited government and opposes wealth dis- redistribution and economic interventionism. So this is something that comes up a lot with the Koch family and their political aspirations. They basically wanted, and they still want, like, 
no government involvement in anything they just think like they are like the part they are like the small government like they don't think there should be any regulation on anything it should just basically wild west um yeah and so this society they accuse scores of prominent americans including president dwight eisenhower of communist sympathies and in 1960 coke wrote that the colored man looms large in the communist plan to take over America. Oh, no. So not great. And these ideals were really passed on to the four children. Um, they even had a Nazi au pair. Uh, she was such a Nazi that when Hitler came to power, she was like, I need to leave America. She was in America at the time. And she's like, I need to be, I need to celebrate <laughs> with the Fuhrer. That's what she said. Um, so they had this like very intense upbringing and, uh, yeah. So Fred Koch dies and he had left 32 year old Charles Koch in charge. He's the second born. Um, the Fred, Fred Koch, the, the oldest son, he's Fred Koch Jr. He's basically what I will call later the black sheep of the family. Um, but Charles started working for his dad at 27. He, him and his brother, David, were also MIT graduates and engineers and when they took over the company, it was valued at around like $21 million. And that's like 1960. So that's still a lot of money, obviously. Yeah. Um, and it was just like making oil refineries and like work, just basically working in big oil. But then Charles, once he took over, he expanded the business with a series of strategic acquisitions of mostly oil and energy related companies such as like refineries and pipeline operations. And then they've, they've since expanded into so many things like Dick, like they, I think they own Dixie cups. Um, just like the, like the random shit that like you find around your house that you just forget that like everyone has, you know what I mean? Like, like they have yeah. Charmin, mm-hmm. um, they, they, a good chance is that they own it. Um, so scandals, I'm going straight to the politics of this because the Cokes and their network have spent hundreds of millions of dollars in support of their particular brand of conservatism. It's one of limited government, um, lenient, more lenient immigration policy, free trade, free markets, and limited corporate regulations. And so while running Coke Industries, their business uh, with a revenue of $100 billion a year. So they're try- they, bas- they make so much money and they make so much money off of oil, they want they so that they want to produce politicians that will not regulate their oil or will regulate their money is basically oh my God. what they want. So no so government involvement. Yeah, so they just put this behind people. Mm-hmm. So because so much of their network's money has been funneled through a, an array of nonprofits where like full full disclosure of finances is not required, it's impossible to assess how much money that they've really spent on you know everything that they are trying to do um so they have helped propel the tea party in 2010 to take over congress they spent about 400 million dollars on the 2012 campaign and uh heavily funded the republican takeover of the senate in 2014 Oh, no. uh, according to a political article, the Koch brothers have invested more in politics than virtually any other individuals in America in like in their philanthropic groups, quote unquote, and like their political machines that are like nonprofits. Their 
employees, they have three times the size of the staff of the Republican National Committee. So they are basically like the Republican National Party. Yeah. Like underground. Yeah. So a lot of this comes from this book called Dark Money by Jane Meyer, which if you want to learn more, I would read about because I can't, uh, 20 minutes is not enough to talk about all the crazy shit that they've done. You know, they've like, they've stolen money from Native Americans and they like basically drew like, they, they were accused by the Senate of basically drawing um, Indian reservations and steal, like and stealing like millions of dollars of oil from them, whatever. Uh-huh. Um, and so uh, they, but they also realized that they can't just give money to politicians and political movements because people need to vote for them. So they need, they realized this is why they're so terrifying and powerful and they're very intelligent people. Um, is that they realized that they needed to change the, the minds of the voters and the people who vote for them. And so they spent hundreds of millions of dollars on think tanks and universities, which will probably be their biggest legacy. Um, and this brings us to climate change. That's a big scandal. I feel like these people are just like out to ruin the world. I mean, these two men are, well, one of them is dead. He died in yeah. 2019. Uh, David Koch died. Uh, he was the executive vice president of Koch Industries. And then his brother's Charles cha- is chairman of the board and still CEO. He's like, he's like 80, like two or something. So mm. like, they're so old that like have this ideals from 80 plus, like 80 years ago. And clearly their father had a big influence. And so their, their political ideals come from a time that's like centuries <laughs> Um, so the, the climate group Greenpeace says that the Koch brothers have spent a grand total between 1986 to 2018, uh, $168 million, over $168 million just on climate denial. They have vested interest. Yeah. Because they have events, uh, they have interest in denying climate actions because they've made billions from their ownership and control of Koch industries, yeah. which is an oil corporation and is, like I said, the second largest privately held company in the country. And their role in climate denial goes all the way back to 1991. And this is when it started to become a topic of climate change and CO2 Mm -hmm. emissions. Like we started to realize that there was a change happening and both political parties were on board for this. Like the Republican party, the current Republican party is the only major party in the entire world that doesn't say climate change is fact that just proves science. Like even the most conservative parties in every other country is like they're at least aligned on climate you know what i mean um and so george hw bush was president at the time and he announced that he would support a treaty limiting carbon emissions and the Koch brothers strongly opposed this because they were like no Mm. we we need that money um and they've also railed against like public transportation and candidates who have supported expanding those so they started making these think tanks, these philanthropic groups that they called them that basically would just create alternative facts to climate change and have like pay a doctor or pay a scientist to sign off on it. And then that would be then be the excuse that a politician would give for climate denial. So it's like, well, look at this test from this credit accredited place and doctor 
And so the people be like, oh, well, then I guess climate change isn't real. You know what I mean? So it's like very multi-layered. Yeah, it's very depressing. (laughs) (laughs) And and, um, they also host these like mega donor events that are super, super secret that like they try and get the richest donors possible. They're like semi-annual. There's like, it's really like really like top secret like shit. Um, And they basically make these agendas be like, this is what you should be spending your money on. And so they got an agenda from one of the 2010 seminars. Mm -hmm. Um, It included fighting climate change alarmism and, and the move to socialized healthcare as well as the regulatory assault on energy. Those were the like like, the top agenda points. So basically (laughs) the worst things that are like the the biggest issues we're still facing today. These could fundamentally end the world if they're not (laughs) treated correctly. And they they could they were able to count yeah, they were able to count the amount of billionaires there. It was like over 18 on the list there were over 18 billionaires at this like one seminar and like obviously they're not spending all their money on this but so this brings me to the black sheep of the family um as i said fred senior had four four sons he had fred who was the old fred jr then there was charles who is still alive and running the industry um and then there was david who also is working in the industry but has died he died like a year ago it was there was actually a trending hashtag um David H. David Coke is dead party or something. Um, I think I tweeted something about I would dance on his gay grave or in the gay <laughs> outfit just because, you know, he funded like a lot of really terrible things. Um, yeah. And then he had actually had a twin brother, William, um, who is still alive. So there was actually a failed takeover where Fred Jr., the oldest, and the one of the twins tried to take over the company, but it failed. And so that was basically like, okay, they paid them out. Like it, there's not really much information about it because it's so like hush, hush. Like uh-huh. I, they, they probably paid so many people not to write about it or I just couldn't find it exact why what happened. It was just a fail coup or something. They each got $800 million. So they're fine. Um, but the oldest Fred Jr. was the considered the black sheep because they thought that he was gay. So they, the other three brothers basically tried to have this meeting uh-huh. where they were going to blackmail him. And so they called like this big meeting that they said was a big meeting. And so Fred was like walking into the meeting and he gets into the room and he finds that his, his other three brothers are the only ones there and they're facing him. And so they confronted him about, they thought that he was gay and basically were asking like, conducted an inquisition is what they said. And they said that if he was, they were going to tell their father because their father would like disowned him unless he handed over his share in the company. And he was basically just like, fuck you guys. I never want to hear about this again. And then just like walked away. And then they just like never brought it up. Oh my God. That just (laughs) really shook me. Could you imagine? That's like the same thing. Like, yeah, it's, People aren't like I feel as if we need to hear about Cox family, like Cook family, a little more. Like, what the fuck? No, like you, like I mean, you should. Oh like I said, you should ever, if everyone is, like, there is just so much terrible things that they are, can like be held responsible for. Yeah. So it's just you can't even like scratch the surface. They're very like they're like evil geniuses. But yeah. like that's the thing is like 
they have spent billions on philanthropy, like real philanthropy, like like Lincoln Center has Coke Theater. Mm-hmm. Um, there is like they like hell funded the MoMA. Like they like like mm-hmm. David Coke, the one who recently passed, was like obsessed with the ballet. So he was like he's they spent so much money in New York on like liberal like things. Like they were like frequent members in high society in New York, but no one cared like because they just gave billions of dollars anyways. Yeah. So but that's then they what also we really need to be scared other- of. Oh, it's it, well. That was the other thing is like there was the the there used to be this law where you had to like fully disclose how much money you give to politicians, mm-hmm. where you give the politicians money, like groups and stuff, and like in the the amount of spending a politician can spend on an election. But then that got recently repealed. So that's why there's just so much crazy amount of money being poured into every election. Like now every mm-hmm. election. They, they like it sets a record for spending yeah um so today the company is worth about 124.5 billion um it this year alone they so this is the other thing is they actually hated trump in 2016 they really really wanted someone else like they they they'd met with ted cruz scott walker marco rubio jeb bush um and when Trump won, it was like a big like slap in the face to them. And eventually they kind of came around to each other. Like even Trump like would attack them on Twitter about it. Um, and so they kind of have at, haven't been as crazy heavily handed in politics since 2016. But like they tried to focus on the House a lot in 2018. But as we all know, there was a blue wave and that we took the House. Um so I think like they they and then so this year they they spent over one million dollars for Republicans running for re-election, but it's mostly been Senate and House campaigns. Interesting. I didn't so, really. I mean, this was really interesting to me because like I never really think about the people who are funding these horrible people. Mm-hmm. And like, there must be well, so many yeah. of them. Like I, I'm sure it's, it's not just them. It, it, yeah, I know. And it's, I didn't really think about how hand in hand it went with like politics and science and like, like the think tank mm-hmm. aspect of it. Like, so now they've just been focused on their think tanks and universities. Like that's what they're trying to bankroll is like people promoting the ideals of this, you know what mm-hmm. I mean? And like, so like they, and it's just like, it's just crazy how hand in hand it is, is like they create these think tanks. So the think tanks can be used as evidence by the politicians that they're also funding to get just basically so they can make more crude oil and change the the narrative. Like Mm -hmm. that's so, so, so bad. Yeah. Wow. Okay. Well, (laughs) on that fun note, (laughs) we're going to take a quick break and then we'll be back with a game. Tired of not being able to get a hold of anyone when you have questions about your credit card. With 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yes, you heard that right. You can talk to a human on the Discover customer service team anytime. So the next time you have a question about your credit card, call 1-800-DISCOVER to get the service you deserve. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. I'm Betch's co-founder, Aileen. And as you may know, we have been in the media game for a minute. And between meetings, podcasting, dinners, etc., I need a wardrobe that works with me, not against me. And that's why Lee is a staple in my wardrobe. I recently got this white jacket, jean jacket from Lee, and I got their button down. I 
must say that the quality is very, very good because when you wear a button down, it is very difficult to find one that doesn't kind of come apart. And this one is not only very soft and comfortable, like I can move my arms around, but I really, really like it. It just looks really cute. And it's like Western, Western's so in right now. And then I also love the white jacket I got. It's like off-white, but it has this blue stitching and it's like, I'm gonna wear it over the shoulders, perhaps on my vacation. I'm just really into it. And Denim trends come and go, but Lee is legendary for creating denim cuts that fit your body. Their denim gets better with age and their classics fit into every look. Lee's denim jacket is the one to reach for without fail. It's a classic. The Ryder jean jacket is the OG and what every other brand has copied for decades. Everyone is an icon in their own right and Lee makes denim so people can own their style and feel good in their clothes. Their spring collection is here so get the freshest looks and cuts before anyone else. You can find your Lee fits by visiting lee.com. That's L-E-E dot com. That's L-E-E dot com to shop spring looks now. Have you ever felt that fast fashion ick but can't always afford the super high end stuff? I have a solution for you. Newly. Newly has everything you need to bring your closet up to speed for the season without breaking the bank. Free your closet of impulse purchases and skip the buyer's remorse by renting instead. Newly is a subscription clothing rental service. For just $98 a month, you get your choice of any six styles each month. You choose whatever you want to rent for whatever you have going on. It's totally up to you. Access to thousands of styles from more than 400 brands. There's no fees, late fees, damage fees, or fees to pause or cancel. So it's no big deal if you lose a button, spill something, or you just need to take a break. They have inclusive sizing up to 5X as well as petite and maternity. Newly is a great value at $98 a month for any six styles. But right now, you can get $20 off your first month of Newly when you sign up with the code BETCHES20. Just go to N-U-U-L-Y.com, that's Newly with two U's, and enter the code BETCHES20 and sign up to get $20 off your first month. That's N-U-U-L-Y.com, Newly with two U's, and use code BETCHES20. Newly subscription clothing rental. Change your clothes. Welcome back to Do You Know Who My Dad Is? We are going to play a new game. You guys know these games. Sean makes them based off of our episodes. So today we are going to play Retail or Tall Tale. These uh-huh. are facts, some real, some made up, to fool us all about the Waltons and their retail empire. Yay. Yay. Let's do it. <laughs> All right, first question. The Walton family built a multi-million dollar bunker after 9-11. Oh my God. <laughs> so like, honestly, this is something that I would definitely do if I had that much money. So like, I want to say it's real to retail. I want to say it's real because I feel like why not, you know? Like if you have the money, you might as well spend it. My mind goes to that place, especially during COVID right now. Yeah, a bunker. I've never heard of something like this. Oh my gosh. Yes, so it is a fact. This one appears to be fact, although some claim the bunker is a data center. However, the Waltons do in fact own a bunker in Bentonville that is subject of much speculation. Ooh, I feel like that's like one of my goals of like making a lot of money one day so I can have a bunker. Yeah, emergency Um, bunker. Because you never know, a global pandemic could happen and you might need some place to haul down with a bunch of toilet paper. Um, <laughs> Lots of toilet paper. So Sam Walton has a history with another subject of the Do You Know Who My Dad Is podcast. 
Did you know that he was a major donor to John F. Kennedy's election campaign in 1960 and was personal friends with the president? I did not know this, um, even though I honestly wouldn't be that surprised because I feel like the po- there are like some political figures involved in the Walmart. Would you retail? say that his history seemed like he was like of a similar ideals of JFK's? A little, but JFK was, like, really rich, but he was no fucking Sam Walton. Yeah, huh. all right, so let's see. Doo-doo. That is actually a tall tale. Uh, this one right. is a fabrication, but the Walmart chain did open its first store during the Kennedy administration in July of 1962, about a year before his assassination. So, wow. not true. <laughs> Couldn't have been, I guess. Alrighty, next one. The Waltons are famous for their Walmart stores, but did you know they also dip their toes into makeup by purchasing a controlling interest in none other than Sephora in 2005? What? I did not know this this again. I think this also could be true. I think this also could be true because why not? I feel like they could literally just do anything. The richest family in the world. Like, why not go into makeup? Recently, though. Um, no. <laughs> when I think of well, the times I've gone into Walmarts, I do think that the that the aisles for makeup always did. Now that I see them, they kind of do look like Sephora's walls. A look like I do remember that they do have like a big makeup section, but I just think about that compared to like CVS. Huh. Okay. Well, let's I guess see. let's find out. Oh, it is a tall tale. So this is totally made up, but can you imagine a giant Walmart-style Sephora with makeup as far as the eye can see? I would die. Um, Sephora is and has always been a French-owned company. Ooh, well, maybe that's we should look at China. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. What is next? Uh, the Waltons are responsible for the most expensive sports stadium on the planet. I mean, this is okay. another thing that I would be like, why not? I want to say there is something that I read somewhere that, and like my whole thing with this podcast is that I have to see things like more than once in order to like think that they're like super important. Um, and I almost want to say that they did buy one, but then now I don't know what the name is. Like, I think they do own one of the really, really big ones. Oh, really? Um, I have no idea what the name is. Let's see. Sports stadium is really broad. Yeah. Is so it, it could be any sport. I guess it would have to be football if it was in the world. The yeah. planet. Okay, let's see. This is a fact. Anne Walter Kronke is the daughter of Walmart co-founder Bud Walton and married to another billionaire, Stan Kronke. I don't know if Kronke is correct or not. Together, they own the Los Angeles Rams, and the team just completed construction of what is by far the most expensive stadium on the planet. Wow. The stadium is in Los Angeles County. Uh, It costs over (gasps) $5.5 billion. Oh, my goodness. Shadowing the the number two stadium in Las Vegas, which is $1.9 billion. That's That's a lot of stuff from Walmart. Yeah, I mean, also, like, I guess 1.9 billion is nothing when you have, like, another 200. 5.5 billion. Oh, my God. But I guess it's really good for the economy in Los Angeles, so. 
Well, God, yes. Oh, my God. Okay, next one. The original stores that would eventually evolve to become Walmart started with the slogan, a penny saved is a penny earned. Well, there was, it was like a nickel and dime store. Hmm. Um, maybe it is. I have no idea. This is because also like everything just seems to make sense. But maybe Sean is just very good at make, at lying. I think Sean um, is just really improving. Because these other ones, it. these other ones, I was, I, I feel like I've gotten most of them wrong. Uh, so I'm going to say, I feel like that sounds more like a 7-Eleven slogan. Oh, let's see. Oh, it is a fact. This is true. Um, the Sam Walton started out in retail with his own chain of Ben Franklin five and dime stores. Uh-huh. Um, which were inspired by the famous Franklin slogan, a penny saved is a penny earned. Walmart would later launch its own chain of stores, but the same bargain messaging remains. I mean, yeah, Walmart's the cheapest shit ever. That's great. I did not get that. Uh, so speaking of slogans, Walmart has had several over the years, but did you know that for a short time, their slogan was simply family owned, mom and pop trusted? What do you think? Hmm. Think that's real or, or retail or tall tale? I think that's a tall tale because, like, that just doesn't make sense. Well, I feel like mom and had... pop trusted. Yeah, mom and pop trusted sounds weird. Family owned sounds re- right. Mm-hmm. But then remember they had that like smiley face guy for a while, who like yeah. rolled back prices. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I'm gonna say this is fact, but let's find out. Oh my god, this is not true. This is another tall tale. <laughs> The only thing Walmart can be trusted to do is put mom and pop stores out of business. So it's unlikely that they'd ever use a slogan like that. Correct. Yeah. Because they are trying to like take over the world. They care they did. All righty. Next one. If Walmart were a country, it'd be the 42nd largest economy in the world right behind Switzerland. What? You know, I almost even feel like it'd be richer. (laughs) <laughs> I think this could be right. I don't know because I think this could be right. I think because if they're like a two hundred billion dollar company, right? Mm-hmm. Over over two hundred billion dollars. I mean, that's probably that's in forty seconds. That's a country. That's a country. <laughs> so I guess I think this sounds right. Yeah. Let's see. And it is a fact. Yes. Amazingly enough. This is true. As of last year, Walmart earned over $500 billion in revenue in its 2018 fiscal year. $500 billion in uh, one year? Oh, my goodness. Okay, well, well, this brings us to our next question. The Walton <laughs> family gets $100 million, million richer every single day. I mean, I definitely feel like this is a fact. I feel like that's definitely because, possible. Yeah, because, like, they legitimately, in the pandemic, like I started, they are, like, thriving and thriving and only thriving. Um, um, so this is true, yeah. Bloomberg's list of the richest families in the world from 2019 estimated that their fortune had grown by $39 billion since the Waltons topped the list the previous year. The report explained that the Walton fortune increased by an incredible $70,000 per minute, $4 million per hour, or hundred million dollars per day imagine a world um seventy thousand dollars a minute like what? literally like my salary a minute like what <laughs> i'm confused um tax the rich as they say yeah my fucking um, god well 
this was a fun episode. I, I think this was a, a lot of fun. Um, so make sure to tune in next week for our episode all about the McCain family and the Romney family. We're tackling some Republican candidates for president. Oh, yeah. So until then, um, this has been Do You Know Who My Dad Is? A podcast about failing up. Batches.